Good morning, colleagues. Just a few announcements here today. Please physically look out your rear window when reversing in the parking lot. Your vampire colleagues will thank you. Uh, this is a reminder to actually tell HR your name during any incident reporting or meeting, but do not give them your name, and you are responsible for any snacks eaten in the waiting area. Now, I've gotten some feedback. Please do note that the growth in the fridge is not food or a mess to be cleaned up. He is Fred, and he is to be respected like anyone else in the office. He has as much right as you do to be here. He works from home because he lives there. He is not only in the accounting department, he is its entirety. Furthermore, that is not actually his main body, and we ask politely that you not move the fridge, lest we have a repeat of last year's spore incident. We would like to extend thanks, but no formal obligation, to the ladies in our contract negotiation department who have generously offered to lend us the use of their walking houses for the inter-office relay. And as always, we'd like to welcome you to hell. Hi, it's me, Fuckface. <laughs> and me, Dick Brain. Welcome to shit hell. Pistons. <laughs> I'm so glad we do three right. takes on that wow. one. Oh, also, I am way too loud. Oh, Jesus boy. fucking Christ. All right. <laughs> All right, is that better? Am I like a moderate fucking... Vo- oh my God, Jesus fucking Christ. Is that good? Okay. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, fine. That's good enough. <laughs> All right. And as always, we'd like to welcome you to hell. Hi, it's me, Fuckface. And me, Dick Brain. Welcome to shit hell. Piss tits. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You know what? That's good enough. Uh, <laughs> Hi, hi, it's me, Brad. I'm Sophie. And this is Monster Friends. With benefits. Welcome to hell. Uh, I'm glad you like the first time we've actually done like a formal, like effort, effort-laden intro in That's a while. not true. We've done it before. No, we've, in, a, in, a in a while. In a while, I guess. You, yeah, usually it's off the dome. Sometimes one of us would be like, hey, I have a great idea. And it's usually pretty good. Sure. Wow. Can't yeah. believe this. Uh, and thankfully, uh, listeners, you will be very glad to know that after last week's absence, uh, our last episode's absence, where we, we talked about Titan, um, we have repaired the audio issues and Lily is here with us today again. Like, I mean, she's, she's always here, but like, always. On, yeah, I actually, we with, fixed the mic yeah, issues. Her, so we have her own mic that is isolated from ours. I do not have, she does not have to share a mic with me, you know, thankfully for her. Right. Um, am I still too fucking quiet? You're louder than me. I'm supposed to be. Li- All right. Is that better? Uh, good. Okay. Anyway. So, you know, I guess before we um, start by doing our, you know, we'll start host chat by well, with Lily. So, Lily, what's up? <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I- See, Every time. Trench and insight we'd be really missing out on. Exactly. And like it's just like a life thing that's happened? Yeah. Like who jeez. Oh, All right. Uh how about you, Sophia? When I was on the way here, I saw something funny and it amused me, and I hope it amuses you, which is that there's the uh the one way street a little further up. Mm-hmm. And as I was Thank you for not giving the name and yeah. doxing me <laughs> and both of us on the podcast. Uh it would be really funny if I could say the the name of this address on Nap from yeah, the, the Lovecraft, if I can sure. fucking remember. Anyway. Do the same exact joke again. <laughs> exact joke. Yeah, yeah. As I was coming down, it someone was going the wrong way down the 
one way, but it was okay because they were actually reversing up. So it's they were pointed correctly, just driving backwards. Also, the other end is closed. It's... So legally, it's, it's actually okay. It was just very funny. And someone yeah. did yell, hey, that's a one way. Yeah, I'm reversing. That's pretty funny. Which is... I love the, the technicalities there. A, a friend of mine told a story once about her driving down. Was it me? It was not you. Oh. She was, it was a, it's, it's a, what was it Lily? Splits off. <laughs> it's at the end of <laughs> up near <laughs> road in <laughs> near the border of <laughs> in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. Anyway. I hope it, that was all just bleeps. It would be very funny. It splits off into two. It turns into <laughs> Boulevard, but. If you miss that, you might just go straight and go the wrong way down a boulevard. Mm -hmm. Two stories here. This one is my friend's first. Actually, mine is first because it's less funny. Similarly, I was in the car with a friend of mine when he took a turn and went the wrong way down a boulevard, like a separated thing at at a big intersection. And he was like, oh, no. And so he went around the boulevard to go the wrong way in the other direction. Anyway, so my friend drove down the boulevard the wrong way. And drove like right, right, right at another car. And so she pulled off to the side and the person opened his window like to yell at her. And so she opened her window and just went, sorry, doing my best. (laughs) (laughs) And it was fine. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I'm, I've certainly never been in a car where someone accidentally turns and goes the wrong way down a boulevard. That's never happened to me. The person I'm speaking about knows exactly who I'm speaking to, and I'm looking directly at you. Did they they listen to the podcast? Yes. Ah, okay. (laughs) Is this this a certain uh, wink, wink, honk, honk? (laughs) You can't... don't please don't say honk, honk. That connotates something else, I feel like. Wink, wink, honk. Honk. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, there you go. You have to touch your own nose to do it. Yeah, listeners. Wink, wink. You may have noticed that sometimes I have forgotten to (laughs) add the clown honking noise when Sophia talks about her girlfriend. Every time you notice that, put one more knuckle of your finger up your own butthole, okay? Because it's not going to change anything, but at least you'll have your finger up your butthole. <laughs> Which might change some things might, for you. It, it might, might change your outlook you might, on a few things. You might get some realizations. <laughs> like, wow, my finger, it's in my butthole. <laughs> Man, I hope you're not listening to this on the bus. <laughs> with your finger up your yeah, butthole. <laughs> there you go. You may not be dressed appropriately. <laughs> uh, oh, me. My, yeah, you, Brad, what's up? Cool. So I continue to recover from my surgeration. Magical. Yeah, I'm now probably in the best shape I've been in like three years because every year I have a surgery and then I develop a problem that requires another surgery, except for this time. And I found a goofy, dumb ab exercise that I won't name because every video thumbnail for it that I found with this name, maybe it has other names, with this name, every single video thumbnail that I found for it is like deeply, deeply, deeply dysmorphia triggering. Like, it's terrible. Oh, no. Because it's an ab exercise. Oh, yeah. But the first time I did it, I woke up the next morning and my surgical sites were sore. Now, I haven't done anything that's, like, used enough muscle close enough to them to get them sore for a while. Like, typically, that would take a really exertive out, uh, uh, you know, workout or exercise. But I, it happened just from exercising this weird 
this one weird trick that doctors hate. <laughs> so I'm like really glad because it, it means that I, I felt really, I felt more stable. My cleans have been great. And today I went to see my kettlebell coach and um, I hit a PR in my Turkish getup, which means I did the heaviest Turkish getup I've ever done. I did, and I did a, a floor press, meaning I had the kettlebell held up, you know, with my hand and my forearm and then pressed it straight up to get my arm straight on the right side uh, for 32 kilograms. And then I didn't get it on the left side. I also was able to do a clean and press at 28 kilograms on the right side, but uh, I struggled on the left. So a little bit of room to grow, right? That's exciting. Sophia, you'll be very glad to know that I easily and effortlessly and smoothly did a set of five snatches Wow. At 24 kilograms. I'm so proud of you, fuckface. Yeah, I just have <laughs> just the smoothest, most buttery snatch you could imagine. <laughs> My hands are a little sore from from all of the snatching. I haven't been quite prepared for it. But, you know, I think I mean, it takes a good a snatch time. is worth a sore hand, I think. It's very true. Yeah. And, like, it, it gets stronger as yeah. you go. Yeah. You know, you get a little more used to it. You build up a little more... Not really. Stamina. Yeah, stamina. stamina. There we go. Yeah, and, and, and power. Yeah, which is important. Yeah. And you have to you have to do it in increments. You can't just go full throttle. The no, 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 or, no, no, no. Or you'll hurt yourself or someone yeah. else if, it, if the snatch goes wrong. You, you, know? can't, you can't just do high volume all at once. You have to do uh, ladders, right? So you just do one mm-hmm. and then two and then three and then four. And then whenever you feel you can't do the next number up, you stop and you go back down to the bottom of the ladder. Because you have to, you want, oh, you want to have a powerful okay. snatch and get a lot of volume in your snatch, but you need to kind of like meter it. If you try to do too much volume in your snatch at once, you're gonna have like you're gonna have just a bad time with your snatch, right? It's got to be like a good, perfect snatch every single time. Cut. Pussy. Us <laughs> <laughs> both making that joke was incredible same twat same twat oh <laughs> uh, we are in the drift okay oh, goodness. okay um so sophia since we forgot yes, to ask Brad. people for questions <laughs> we did again which honestly is my bad because i'm supposed to be I'm you a are social, our social media. media manager it's me <laughs> but listen there's a reason that i don't actually add social media management to my skills on linkedin it's because i f- keep fucking forgetting to and it's because so- linkedin itself is a social media site i know <laughs> And I have, I don't update my LinkedIn very much. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating and weird, and I don't like it over there. By the way, all these new social media sites are bad. I'm just going to say they're bad. They're yeah. bad. They're not good. We're not getting a threads. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely and not. Also, I'm- like, Mastodon is, like, cool, but by the way, like, massively insecure. Just be aware of that. Yeah. It's, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Just bring back forums. Can we just have forums again? I've been saying, listen... Pro boards is still fucking free. I will listen to me. Listener, Brad, are you listening to me? If there is demand, I will set up a pro boards for us. I will do it. I will do this and I will make an old school forum. I will do this because it's free and I'm getting back to my roots with it. All right. You know what, listeners? If, you, if we can regularly have 30 people listening to the podcast, <laughs> we, will, we will set up a Patreon as promised. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we can get 100 unique listens on our Tammy and the T-Rex episode, <laughs> it will please the demon Lacrimoth. Lacrimoth? <laughs> Lacrimoth. Lacrimoth. And if both of those happen, 
And we receive five emails <laughs> that contain photos of cool tattoos that you took of yourself. We will set up a pro boards. <laughs> okay. That feels like a pretty high thing, but all right. Yeah. What do the tattoos have to be of? Or just like in general? Cool tattoos. Okay. I cool have to tattoos. think they're cool. Oh. Oh. Okay. And you had to think they're cool. We both had to think they're cool. I have a pretty low bar for cool tattoos. I have to a be very honest. high bar for cool tattoos. All right. Yeah. I think tattoos are just kind of cool. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, one, one, one guard always tells the truth and one guard always lies. One guard. Who, who, okay, who in this relationship <laughs> thinks all tattoos are cool and who in this relationship uh, thinks most tattoos are terrible but, like, isn't a bad person so won't tell you to your face if they think you have a bad tattoo? Do you like my tattoos? You have tattoos? <laughs> yes! Yeah. Um. <laughs> Listeners, fund my trip to Delaware to get a tattoo <laughs> from the one person who I want to do my big centipede back piece. That's what's really important. Who cares about the pro boards? Honestly, we need to get... Uh... Fund my tattoo! Fund my tattoo! Do you hear us, Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar, why are you not paying us for enough DMs to send me to Delaware to get a tattoo? <laughs> the uh, the funds have to include travel, lodging, also the tattoo. So that's a lot of DMs. I, Brock. Honestly, I don't I don't need a very generous per DM. Okay, I'm very I'm I'm cheap. I'm cheap. Oh, I do. I'm going on this trip with you. If if it's getting paid by Brock Lesnar, I'm going with you. And I actually have some. Wouldn't it be real? Like I honestly, like I could just die, genuinely, just die. I mean, whenever, yeah. If 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 Brock Lesnar somehow heard about this and was like, "Fuck it," and then just paid for both of us to go to Delaware so that, that I could be get really a tattoo. funny. That would be very honestly, funny. Brock Lesnar. I would never make fun of you again. Mm, I would, but I, I <laughs> one of us, one of us would never make fun of you again. One of us would never make fun of you again, and the other would make fun of you more. Which one of you is the person in the relationship who can be bought with a journey to Delaware to get a tattoo and not make fun of Brock Lesnar? And which one of you will make fun of Brock Lesnar more in compensation for the other person who's no longer making fun of Brock Lesnar because they were bribed with a trip to Delaware to get a tattoo? <laughs> that's actually the... That's, that's heterosexuality, right? I was going to say that's a new gender spectrum, actually. <laughs> Tag yourself. Uh, let us know. So, Sophia. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are we talking about? I uh, see here, have I have questions. this question. Sure. I have a question. We just got one. Just now? Yeah, it came over the ticker tape machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me just get the... the... Oh, there, oh, 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 there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay, okay, okay. Hi, Sophia and Bard. Oh. They charged per letter. They didn't want to type that back again. Okay. Sophia, it's me, Bard. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to LA. Um... <laughs> My boyfriend Does that mean that you, in this one that you would be end up being a cut case. <laughs> what? It is too warm and we are getting insane. I'm so excited. My my my, my boyfriend is a seahorse. Great. Yeah. I assume this means like like a humanoid seahorse probably cuz otherwise it'd be really awkward to be in a relationship with like a fully sentient sapient seahorse that is the size of a regular seahorse they're pretty small they're they very are, small seahorses are shockingly small like mm -hmm. you think they're gonna be like fish size they're not they're not they're very tiny there are also tiny fish i hate to tell you yeah but like if you think about it they're not mind. gonna be horse size they're not gonna be horse size <laughs> absolutely not but anyway my boyfriend is a seahorse 
And we are talking about having children. This is very complicated in his culture because in his culture, typically, you know, the men carry the children. Biologically, we would have to do in vitro and I would have to carry the child because, you know, humans can't, I'm this Brad, Brad note here, uh, you know, human beings can't transfer partially developed embryos back and forth. It doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. No. What are some ways you might recommend to help my boyfriend feel like he is a part of this process while the baby is gestating? And I knew the fucking word. Jesus. I just thought maybe you couldn't read it. It It's a little misspelled on the ticker tape here. I'm trying to be polite and correct it as we go. Okay. Okay? (laughs) I'm so sorry. Actually, it it said gesticulating, which is really not the (laughs) right word. And it also has more letters. So I feel like... Don't don't do autocorrect if you're paying by the letter. And do you have any cute ideas for the baby shower? Mm. So, Sophia, I'll let you go first. Uh, first of all, for the baby shower, probably lots of horse-themed things. I just think it would be funny. At horses. I think there should be more baby showers that are about horses. And it's not, it's like, not, you're not announcing the sex. You are just saying, we are having a horse girl, re- regardless of gender. It's a horse girl. <laughs> Because that has its own whole thing. So what I'm getting here is that in order for this loving couple to have children together, the human is going to have to be the one bearing the child? That is the impression that I got. Why Why can... Because as it was with seahorses, typically, typically still in terms of like gametes and stuff, like to actually physically reproduce the males even though they're carrying the child are still providing that like part of the genetic material and so i guess the compatibility here like the interspecies compatibility the egg is still what's going to get fertilized and that would be difficult for them to implant the other way oh okay i i understand i understand is that the technology has not caught up that's that's, that's what i'm getting from this ticker tape message to the podcast i'm really glad i set this up by the way yeah Yeah, man, this really this really comes in handy, you know. Yeah, use um, our BBS, folks. <laughs> Dial in. <laughs> we have all this stuff set up. We get nothing. We should announce that at the end of the podcast. I mean, be some, helpful. sometimes we get notifications of Earth invasions, but like but we've gotten some really good ASCII porn. But like, other than that, sorry, Sophia, go on, please. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, it would feel he would end up feeling a little left out if this is really, you know, part of his his culture is that he would have. I'm really, I'm really not sure where where this would go because, like, it's not like you can make let him feel pregnant in the way that like his father and his father before him could feel because it's just it's just not going to work even if you put a pregnancy suit on it's just not going to work. I mean, being very involved in going to the Lemay's classes and like being absolutely involved in all of the meetings with if you were having some kind of doula there to to help this and being completely involved and being hands on and not being you know leaving it alone it's going to be a very different birthing process although i assume you're going to do a home birth and a water birth it has to be a water birth so there's a lot of things that you have to set up and there's a lot of things that that this this father could bring to understand what it is even if the uh the the children are not being carried by a seahorse they're going to have seahorse needs if they're when they're born they're gonna absolutely so the the seahorse is going to know best what needs to be like what the salinity of the of the water birth needs to be mm-hmm. that sort of thing the temperatures of it because that's very different because a human water birth is 
going to be different. It's going to have completely different needs. So uh, being completely involved, not being afraid to to share like what needs to be happening for the the health and well being, and being there for your for your partner who is going through this. Yeah, I. I do think that you could solve a lot of this with novelty t-shirts. This is an interesting take. Yeah. I'm so I think glad. he would feel better mm-hmm. if you got him a series of novelty t-shirts for every stage of the pregnancy. I am so glad that, that with this question, I'm the one taking it seriously and you're the one <laughs> fucking around. This is I so uncommon. You I see how I dress. I take novelty t-shirts very, I take t-shirts very seriously. Oh, I I understand. I'm just I like saying the commitment the con- for a good novelty T-shirt. Okay, continue. What do these T-shirts? Also, need you to said say? everything I was thinking. You said like all of the oh, good great. stuff. Yeah. yeah, you covered it. I I would just be redundant. I even remember here. the word salinity. So you did, I was very yeah. proud of myself. For I that I, th- I was thinking actually that like a suit would still make him feel better, maybe like a pregnancy suit, mm. so that he could still feel you know this extra weight, and that you could you two could really be connected, you know, and you could even use like, um, I guess you know depending on physiological compatibility maybe like a tens unit or something to kind of simulate contractions as the birth is happening so that he could feel not exactly what you were feeling but feel really connected to you during that birthing process Mm -hmm. i assume that would be important in uh, bonding with the offspring regardless absolutely i mean because that's one of the ways that a seahorse i assume is a parent is is going through this so that probably would be important for like the the psychology of it but like aside from that very technical you know very valid solution a series of novelty t-shirts i will not be answering any of your honestly insulting questions such as what should the t-shirt say listeners (laughs) i'm i'm very sorry should we put like a content note for um seahorse cultural insensitivity Sorry, I think uh, that we didn't get a clear take of that, and I feel like I should do that again. Ask me about Mpreg. Remember when I edited the podcast so that you confessed to a murder? I do. I do. <laughs> that was great. Oh, uh, listeners! Surprised it's not my ringtone. Listeners, Sophia genuinely did not know I was going to do that. I guessed from how you were having me. I used some context clues. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you, you. I think you expected me to do the thing that I directly did instead of taking what you said and editing it in at a different point. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> All right, Sophia, did you get any any questions uh, through the the the, the teletax? Uh, no, but a pigeon came by. <laughs> Uh, which is so weird because I am absolutely not a homing pigeon like destination. And yet here it is. And it dropped a rock uh, with a message within it. It was a little geode that had a little note in it. And it is, what are some good pickup lines if I go into the deep forest and want to lose myself? What, what, what would be a good pickup line? If, you, if you're going into a deep forest where human beings have not tread in, in decades and the breath from human lungs has not been felt. What is it that you should be saying to get in the mood? <laughs> it can't be ask me about Empreg. Hi, it's me, Fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> and me, Dick Brain. Welcome to Shit Hell. <laughs> All right, cool. On the topic. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Sophia. Yes, Brad. I was talking to you about, hey, we need to do another recording, even with this, you know, um, extended release schedule. We still need to, like, record. 
my weekends are a little bit busy, what with the, the boyfriend and all, and, you know, going back and forth, Milwaukee, Chicago, so forth and so on. I, I brought, brought up a couple of ideas, you know, Devilman being among them, because we do need to get to that, and a few other films and, and, and whatnot. Sophia recommended The Last Unicorn. Mm-hmm. It's my very favorite childhood movie. I'm extremely normal about it and such i have something to show you whoa sophia sophia <laughs> sophia i know you said you had you t- you had tattoos but like that's wow 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 jesus christ this is how normal i am about it i have just handed brad my childhood vhs of the last unicorn it probably has not been in a vcr for like 15 years and i just kind of keep it as a holy relic in my home but i just thought i'd bring it as a as a kind of this is how normal I am about this film. So it's very much like indicative of when this came out that the summary on the back of the movie lists Mia Farrow, Jeff Bridges, Angela Lansbury, and then Rene Aubergenois. And then for only, only for Rene Aubergenois does it say something that they've done. And in here it says Odo of Deep Space Nine. Does it really say that? Nothing for anyone else, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Mia Farrow, Jeff Bridges, Angela Lansbury, or Christopher fucking Lee have done. It it all that matters is Rene Aubergenois. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how I pronounce it. I don't know how it's pronounced. Sophia is a, a woman of many cultures and talents and voices. Sophia can speak German. Yeah. Sophia uh-huh. can speak English. Yep. Brad can speak in the same way that a very clever bird <laughs> can speak. Yeah. You're a lot like the butterfly. Welcome to shit help his tits. <laughs> so we watched this movie, by which I mean, did you rewatch it again for this? Oh, yeah. I watched it again this morning. I didn't need to. I've seen it like at least 300 times in my lifetime. But I watched it again this morning. I watched it earlier this month also. And last month also. So I watched it for the first time immediately before recording. Yeah. So it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. Sophia actually arrived at my house as the movie was in its final 20 minutes. Yeah. And I uh, immediately sat down and was entranced again, even though I just finished it 10 minutes before leaving my house. So I had seen it all. Sophia did not want to watch this movie with me because she was worried that she would be unable to restrain herself from singing out loud with all of the songs in Mm -hmm. the film. To which I responded, oh, like me and Home Alone. And that's when I found out that Sophia has never seen Home Alone. Yeah. Which we will never cover on this podcast. <laughs> Ever. That's a Patreon exclusive. Patre- that's it. <laughs> it is so hot in here. It is so fucking hot in here. It's... Uh, for those listeners not in the States, it is 26.5 degrees in here right now. Why would you... Sorry. Why would you start with Celsius? Uh, I have my little CO2 meter over there, which, by the way, CO2 in this room is twenty. There's 2,218 parts per million, which is bad. We're going to die in here. And also, it is 26.5 degrees. And all right, it says 48% humidity. I'm calling bullshit on that because I am schwitzing up a storm gonna, over here. You are very shiny. I'm very sweaty right now. I also refuse to wear anything but... Um, I mean, I'm and wearing it's really shorts. getting distracted. I'm wearing <laughs> shorts right now, but I'm also wearing like mid calf socks. Uh-huh. 
corduroy shorts. The shorts are like thick fabric. It's pretty great. And my regular undershirt and t-shirt combo. Incredible. (sighs) So shall we talk about the film? Sophia, before we start summarizing the movie, because plot summaries are not as important to me, what about this film made you consider it fodder for the podcast? I think that The Last Unicorn has a lot in common with a lot of monster fucker. While this is a children's movie, and it was, I feel weird saying a children's book, because it was a book before, but it, anyway, it has a lot in common with The Hobbit that. was a children's book. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it was written for children. No, I know. I'm just saying that I don't put them in the same kind of like narrative style that like appeals to children necessarily like i've been listening to the hobbit on audiobook because i listened to the hobbit on audiobook and the lord of the rings on audiobook on repeat and i have been for the past 12 years when i sleep by the way not just like constantly when i'm going to bed i have a on cassette they this that's styles- why sophia's other tattoo the one uh, not the one that you will never see because oh my god i didn't think a human <laughs> being could be as explicit as where that tattoo is but the other one that she doesn't talk about is the tom bombadil tattoo that is hiding beneath her uh, mm-hmm. left breast i believe yeah, uh, Goldberry's under the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's so because Tom Bombadil doesn't make any goddamn sense in the story. Sure he does. He's just a cool dude. He's great. He's just a cool dude. And then when it gets really hot like it is right now... Uh, gotta let him breathe. <laughs> gotta let him breathe. And the, the sweat dripping down my chest is called the Withy Windle. <laughs> Please continue the point you were making. What point was I making? Anyway... Before I, stay, before I got weird and started talking about underboob <laughs> tattoos that don't exist. It's very warm in here and we're very weird. It is a kind of a children's thing. It is a, a good introduction to stories in which things transform. Things are not quite what they seem. The monstrous other is not necessarily something to be afraid of or avoid. It simply is. It is part of it. And that like humans are part of that also and a whole thing. It's just really fucking good. It's also a lot of people relate to it in very queer ways that people relate to a lot of monster stories in queer ways. So it it has that. It's just like a a more child-friendly version, I feel like. Sure. I I think people don't give kids enough credit, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this this is another thing where... Every time there's any children's thing that is like above the level of Blue's Clues... There's somebody somewhere who's like, can you believe this is for children? Yes. Children are, shockingly, people. They're people with less life experience, people who it is the responsibility of adults to guide them, you know, into adulthood, you know, like carefully and thoughtfully and with responsibility and all that. But like, also, they are they are people and they do deserve stories that have depth to them. Yeah. Just the, 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 the difficult elements of it should be presented in a way that they are capable of either processing or processing with assistance. That's another thing. Don't show a child the first 20 minutes of child's play and then not let them see the rest and have them develop a terrible fear of dolls because they, well, actually, sorry, like the second 15 minutes of, of child's play so that they don't know that the movie is silly and they only are terrified of dolls until they're an adult and they see the movie. That Go was- on very specific no no it wasn't that's a general life experience thing for everybody but the thing about a lot of these kinds of children's stories is that as you revisit them when you're older you can find more and more meaning that Mm -hmm. isn't just there because you are an adult but 
was always there. Yeah. And you learn new and interesting things about yourself. So shall we start then? Sure. I was going to start with the opening lines of the book. Sure. So go that for it. we can understand the kind of the vibes and the method through which this is told and understood. The unicorn lived in a lilac wood and she lived all alone. She was very old, though she did not know it. And she was no longer the careless color of sea foam, but rather the color of snow falling on a moonlit night. But her eyes were still clear and unwearied, and she still moved like a shadow on the sea. Those are the first lines of The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle, who is the author of the original story. By the way, this is based on a book. Very good book. So my first note in this... Well, we can... Is it about... Oh, and I just wanted to have that pulled up and ready. Oh, okay. Yes, you first... I have a note on that, too. Is what the fuck is this butterfly's deal? We'll get to the fucking butterfly, okay? Okay. Yeah. Now? <laughs> well, the, okay, so the movie opens and we are, are introduced to the concept of unicorns and that there's the last one, okay? If we're gonna... This is how we do it with all of them. Go, go on. And she doesn't know that she is the last and she's wandering around and she encounters in her lilac wood and she encounters a butterfly coming in. No, before with... that, we find out that she's the last unicorn because there's these two people... On their horses the going through, yes, who say, oh, this is a unicorn's wood. We're not going to find any game to hunt here. They pick up a little bit of magic and that sends the, you know, the, the unicorn into like an existential crisis. Yeah. Like the, the what? The last? No, 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 no. This fucking dickhead just must not know where the other ones are. Yeah. Because fucking dickheads like this just can't see Just because men him. can't recognize yeah. the unicorn doesn't mean they're all gone. Right? 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 Hold on. Right, guys? And then we get this fucking butterfly who's just like exclusively echo like, like all he does is just sing so, like the song lyrics. Snippets of and song quotes. and poetry. The best part about the song lyrics is that like they are completely unstuck in time. Like some of the songs are just like from the are, are contemporary. Are fucking yeah. contemporary and are not from medieval Europe-ish that this kind of takes place. The setting, this is what this story is way more about character building than it is about world building. Don't worry about the world. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. It so doesn't don't think need about to. It. it is a fantasy fairy tale story about characters, not the world. But yeah, so he's just like singing like from musicals from the forties. Doesn't matter. And it's great. He's wonderful. I love him. He's just a little burnout <laughs> butterfly just a guy. Little dude. And the unicorn gets mad. It's like, I guess you don't know anything. And then he provides just a little snippet of exposition. Says, well, you know, oh, all of the unicorns were driven out of their lands and their footsteps were covered up by this red bull. Okay, bye. Bye. And then he vanishes. But he also does have one of the best romantic lines coming. From, and it just absolutely is not from a romantic character. Just some dude. Your name is a golden bell hung in my heart. I would break myself to pieces to call you once by your name. Incredible. Incredible writing. Fantastic. Love that guy. Yeah. And then so she leaves. She leaves her wood. She knows that uh, she said, you know, a unicorn can only die if they're like, what, out of their wood. Mm -hmm. Right. And she's like, actually, maybe I can help. I want, by the way, it, this movie is full of characters who know that there's a very specific threat to which they themselves are vulnerable. And then they seek this threat and then are shocked when they're threatened by this threat. 
It's as if I'm made of, I don't know, rice paper and like balsa wood. And I hear about a fire and I'm like, oh, no, all these other balsa wood and rice paper beings are being threatened by fire. I bet I can help. Yeah, because without the rice paper and balsa wood people in the world, all magic and wonder in the world would be diminished yeah. and the world would be a worse place. So it's worth risking it I'm not saying it it's not worth risking it. I'm just saying there's no planning at any, at any oh, point. Oh, absolutely not. No. Why? I mean, yeah. her plan was to find what the threat was and see if they're all if all of the unicorns are hiding somewhere because she has to help them. So then she we, we find out that regular men cannot see unicorns. Mm-hmm. They just see horses. My one note about because this guy tries to like catch her. Yeah, with a fucking belt. Yeah. And my one note is uh, Sophia, it's the second thing on there other than the title. Can you read that for me? Goofy Tonsher Have an Ass. Now, why did you write a note about me? <laughs> Listeners, I wish Sophia had a tonsure. <laughs> Listen, if you count my hairs. <laughs> Sophia, Sophia, can you get temples. a tonsure wig? Can you get a lace front tonsure wig for me? <laughs> I'll look into it. It's like, getting a, it's like getting a gold <laughs> visor, only it's got hair unbelievable oh my god so she continues to to wander she's starting to get tired she we she goes through all sorts of seasons in my head by the way this walking man's road in my head by the way this takes a day oh i i know it's supposed to be a long time like months it's much funnier to me if it's a day it's just one yeah (laughs) just this evening now yeah so anyway, she falls asleep in the woods and she's captured by Mama Fortuna. Mama, Mama Fortuna and her carnival of monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, who she, Mama Fortuna is clearly a witch and she keeps horrifying monsters for people to come see. And she has a cool and hat that a crow lives she on. She has a cool fucking hat. It's, it's, a, it's a fucking tree stump that she kind of hollowed out and now a crow also lives on it. And she can see the unicorn. She, of course, can recognize this unicorn, but her... Uh, Son? henchman henchman yeah henchman uh, they look Rook. so similar i assumed but magic just seems to like gnarl and wizen people in this universe yeah so. but it, he also he sees a horse and this is when we meet the wonderful magician so before we get to that uh-huh. uh she uses magic powers to put the unit to, to keep the unicorn asleep so she can be captured mm-hmm. i just wrote you have incredible magic powers and you use them to just catch animals yes it just it seems like you could do cooler stuff with it i guess yeah that's kind of the characterization is that she is uh obviously more focused on money and controlling other things than anything yeah. else and this is what she is focused on so yes she does have these wonderful magical powers and she could do anything and what she is focusing on is ripping people off and being cruel to animals yep not great yeah anyway we meet this 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 magician whose name is the yiddish word for an ineffectual foolish or contemptible person just this fucking guy. This fucking guy. So he's like, this fucking guy, the wizard. Anyway, my <laughs> note is, bro's name is literally Schmendrick. Uh-huh. Like, his name might as well have been Schmuck. Uh-huh. Like, oh my god, it's, 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 um, it's the, it's, it's, it's the renowned poet, Putz. <laughs> it's this dumbass again. Jesus Wow. Christ. My note about Mama Fortuna and her little... Carnival of Horrors? Sure. Is... Every, everybody, everybody in this whole... Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, my, my, that note is for later, so let's go through this first. I realize that note is for later, but it applies to this, but I think it's kind of a thing for the whole movie, so we'll get to it when I get to it. Please go on. So this fucking guy... This fucking guy. 
he can see the unicorn, but he doesn't tell Mama Fortuna that. He just pretends that he sees what Rook sees. And Mama Fortuna laughs and takes this as a, you know, that he's, well, he's, fuck, he fucking sucks. This, this idiot fucking sucks. And she puts a fake horn on the unicorn and puts her in a cage. She has captured and they have the next morning, they set up the carnival and there's uh, many beasts and monsters in a circle where people pay to come see. There's a manticore. There is the Midgard serpent. And all of these are... A satyr. There's a satyr. These are all, they're all tricks. They're illusions. Mama Fortuna is using magic to just make these weak animals look like beasts for people who want to see them because they want to believe. Believe and trust is how you see these things. And they're, they're willing to be fooled so much that they will see a sick, elderly, toothless lion as a manticore. The manticore does look rad as hell, though. He does. But it's it's just it's a just, fucking aged yeah. lion that needs a fucking nap. And the saddest looking chimp you could imagine oh as the satyr. Yeah. He looks so emaciated. It just like heads off into the woods. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a harpy. The harpy Seleno, which is a real harpy from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. That's a real name. And she's fucking real. Yeah. She's just a fucked up bird with three tits. Yep. I love her. She is a real monster. She's not like an old parrot with magic on her. She's just a real fucking harpy that's there. She is as real as a unicorn. Yeah, she's not just like a pigeon with fake tits. <laughs> Strapped to her. <laughs> yeah. Side note, if you look out my window right now, Sophia, uh-huh. check out the fucking rack on Damn. that morning dove. Wow. And she's got four. How does she fly like that? I, I don't just know, don't man. know. Wow. Oh, one of them fell off. Never mind. Oh, no. Okay, well. Did it land in your drink? Well, protein. We'll never tell. (laughs) (laughs) Soiling this pigeon tit. (laughs) Side note, I'm drinking a soylent. (laughs) I went to the store to, to buy something for Sophia and demanded that she select between two sets of consonants. Oh. And she selected the one that made me choose Soylent. Mm-hmm. Made you. Uh, Schmendrick has a conversation with the unicorn about what's going on and that she recognizes that the harpy is just as real as she is. And the witch also, of course, she knows. And that her uh, the unicorn says to Mama Fortuna, your death sits in that cage, old woman. And she's like, I know, but... Uh, doesn't matter because even if she ever gets free and fucking murders me, she will always have been held by me. I will always have had done that because that's how time works. So, yeah. <laughs> what a way to be. Even a bad legacy is a legacy. <laughs> I guess. It's... All publicity is good publicity, I guess, is what Mama Fortuna is. That's her vibe. Schmendrick repeatedly fucks up magic to get he's, he's trying so the hard. unicorn out. And then just uses the keys that he stole off of <laughs> He Rook. just fucking pickpocketed her, uh, which is great. And lets the unicorn free. And she's going around and freeing the other animals. And Schmendick warns her not to free Selena the harpy. But ha- the harpy says, we are sisters, you and I. And she's like, I can't, let, I can't let another real creature like that just stay. Because no matter what, it is wrong to keep something caged. And there, I have a lot of thoughts on the harpy and the unicorn as two sides of the same magic of the same coin 
do you do you have any thoughts on this? I just I would finish the description or what what happens in this little sequence and then 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 talk to me about it. So she does. She she unlocks the lock and then upon unlocking the lock, the whole fucking cage just like explodes. Yeah, yeah. and Mama Fortuna is just like in the middle and raises her arms to the sky and is screaming, "Not alone! You couldn't have freed yourselves alone!" Like, yeah, no shit. That's kind of the point. There's a little bit of a... Anyway, so the harpy descends on Mama Fortuna and fucking murders After her. taking two runs at the unicorn. Yeah, and the unicorn does defend herself with her horn. This movie really, really did not have, I guess, the budget to animate a lot of actual collisions of things. Mm-hmm. There's many, many incidents in this where there's like violence or... And then anytime there's actually any physical contact that would happen, cuts away. Mm-hmm. So you just you see the, the 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 harpy swoop down, and there's a ting noise yeah. as the horn quote unquote makes contact. But it's pretty great. So then they start. So then uh, the, the the harpy goes after Mom, Mama Fortuna, Schwendrick, and the unicorn just walk away. It's like don't run, just walk. Never run from anything immortal. It attracts their attention. And we see the the harpy just kind of like crouched over Mama Fortuna, and we hear her go Crunching like noises like. Ouch. <laughs> just, it's, she has been, Imama Fortuna has been eviscerated by this yeah. harpy, which she knew. Like, she captured this harpy and went, well, that's going to kill me someday. But until then. Other than her great honking tits. Great honking tits. What are your thoughts about this two sides of the same coin, Michigas? <laughs> You're just going to do a lot of Yiddish on this one, aren't you? That's, that, this is my normal amount. <laughs> How many other words can you come up for Schmendrick real quick? So I think the unicorn and the harpy are both. I So I approach a lot of the story from a being a woman perspective, obviously. So I think the their symbols in mythology are very much both some kind of monstrous womanhood in that like the unicorn is supposed to represent like the purity, innocence, trust, belief, in in magic and the inherent goodness of the world and things like this world is harpy well people still call women harpies when they're mad at them i've been called a harpy for being at all argumentative so both very female mythological figures but they are both monsters i mean i also have a quote from the book sure that also illustrates it i have a few quotes from the book because it's good the unicorn The unicorn heard herself cry out, not in terror, but in wonder. Oh, you are like me. She reared joyously to meet the harpy's stoop, and her horn leapt up into the wicked wind. The harpy struck once, missed, and swung away, her wings clanging and her breath warm and stinking. She burned overhead, and the unicorn saw herself reflected on the harpy's bronze breast and felt the monster shining from her own body. So they circled each other, like a double star, and under the shrunken sky, there was nothing real but the two of them. Yeah, so it's a neat scene. <laughs> yeah. Any any thoughts on the symbolism of the harpy and uh, Mama Fortuna and never run from anything immortal? Yeah, I, I didn't really understand that bit. So normally I have a bit of time to like ruminate on these things, and I'm, I'm a little bit blank on this one. I, I think I'll have some thoughts by the end, but... Mm-hmm. I think what you could take never run from anything immortal is that because time is really not that pressing to an immortal, to anything immortal, anything immediate is what has their attention. 
if something takes time, if it is slow, if it is taking a long time, it's just like them and it is they're just not going to notice because the only thing that needs to be important is what is happening exactly right now because that's all there is because there's there's not going to be any difference from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. So running, doing something, you know, active, urgent, urgent, yes, would attract the attention of something immortal because there's be no something urgency new. to something yeah. immortal. Yeah. So doing something urgent would attract its attention and she has already eaten two people. Oh yeah, Rook also dies and gets eaten. She's already eaten two people, so like let's let's just go. Let's just take our time. So they walk through the woods. Suddenly bandits. There are bandits. Captain Cully and his band of free men. They're very bad bandits. It should be pointed out. Schwenderick is captured. They there's some line about rat soup. Again, rat soup. She could at least use a new a new rat. The third night, anyhow. <laughs> just, they're very bad bandits. In the book, I believe they are so bad that they pay a the nearby mayor for protection, so he won't hang them. There's there's some what I guess a defaced tree that just says "Down with King Haggard." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're near enough to it okay. to his kingdom. Sure. And it's where we meet Molly Grew for the first time, mm-hmm. who is the lady among the bandits. And she is the cook. The cook. She is the companion of Captain Cully. She is a middle-aged woman. This is very important that she is not a young woman. She is middle-aged and a little world-weary. And Schmendrick talks his way out of being just summarily executed or mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. whatever by going, oh, Captain Cully, I heard you're pretty cool. <laughs> Making it up on the fucking yeah. spot. It's great. Then he distracts everyone successfully by finally doing good magic. Mm-hmm. By just saying, magic, do what do do as thou wilt. Do what you will, mm-hmm. right? Suddenly there's just like holograms of- These beautiful illusions. Yeah, Robin Hood just tramping through the woods and everybody runs after them. Yeah. Except for- Captain Cully and second big, the other, the some big guy. He has a name and I can't fucking remember, I don't remember it. It doesn't matter. Some big dude. Some big dude. And they go, huh, well, this is dangerous. And then they tie well, Schmendrick we're going to sell this dude. Yeah. So I wrote, ah, something cool. Let's do slavery. Yes. That is exactly what their thoughts That's the were. vibe of the movie generally. Yeah. It's, oh, well, oh, I see something interesting and wondrous. Let me I... crush it in my grasp. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's no metaphors. This surely won't destroy the goodness in it. Yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again. It's a... It ke- this That thing literally keeps happening throughout the entire story. It's fantastic. So then Schmendrick tries to get free and creates a horny tree. <laughs> he's tied to a tree and he accidentally brings it to life instead of uh, freeing himself. And he's just face first into, into t- these big massive honkers just these the giant, giant oh god i'm go- i'm engaged to a douglas fir <laughs> see this is where i thought you would chime in with all of the various horrible synonyms for breasts that you typically assail me with yiddies that one's new and i also hate it well you see a y is also like a t <laughs> so yiddies ah uh. Yeah, but usually you're like yeah, hibbity bonkers or behoobity donkers or something. And I'm like, how? 
I don't think that you like breasts more or less than me. I think we're on even footing as far as liking boobs. And yet the horror in my mind when you say these things. The you yitties. You but the Yeah, no, y- the Y-E-W. Y-E-W. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good for making oak milk. Uh, that one didn't that one didn't roll off as well as I really wanted a it to. A pair of bark bazongas, there am I right? Go. That's yeah? a good one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She's gonna need some over-the-shoulder bowl holders. You see, sometimes a knot on the tree is called a bowl, a B-O-L-E. And uh, large bras are occasionally referred to as over-the-shoulder boulder holders. And since she has very large breasts that are, in fact, bowls, B-O-L-E, not B-O-W, B-O-W-L, rather, uh, they would be over-the-shoulder bowl holders, but B-O-L-E. Does that help? Hey, babe, I don't know if those are not Sanakas, but I'm into it. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so glad you took that you stared at me <laughs> like that so you could take your time to come up with that one. <laughs> Thank God. <sighs> so the unicorn comes and saves him and the tree calls her a hussy uh, which is great uh, they're on their way again and Molly- I did message Sophia and say why is there a horny tree spell and I said why wouldn't there and, be and fair enough They can t- Molly joins the party this is a very and important we get yeah we get this I've seen this quoted many a time it still, do you want to read it it still makes me cry uh, read it or would you die <laughs> It, it makes me cry every time Molly Grew sees the unicorn and her reaction is, where have you been? Where were you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, when I was when I was a fresh young thing that you always supposed to come to? How the worst, how dare you come to me now that I am this? It is an absolutely devastating speech that she gives because obviously unicorns are supposed to come to pure virginal almost like magically pure young maidens and often how that story goes actually is that a young maiden is sent out into the woods to sit under a willow or some kind of beautiful tree to wait for a unicorn to come along to take a nap because they are attracted to such purity the unicorn will lay its head in the maiden's lap and the maiden will cut its horn off so it can be killed. And she, so the maiden is a trap. This is important to note, I feel like. That that is how that story tends to go. But this, this scene uh, that a lot of people, I mean, I've primarily spoken to people in terms of like womanhood, that how dare something so beautiful and so perfect and so wonderful happen to me when, when I no longer feel that I have worth and magic within me and here it is like why couldn't this have happened when i feel like i could have been worthy of it and it's very painful it's a really good speech yeah where was this this opportunity where was this chance where was this thing that i could have really taken advantage of when i could have taken advantage of it yeah but these are often things that we don't see or appreciate at that time Mm mm-hmm Anyway. Well, also, like, was I not good enough then? Yeah. Was I not, was I not a, a pure enough, good enough of heart when I was younger? Why are you coming to me now? Yeah. I know I'm not good enough now. It's it's hard. And Molly Gru says, I forgive you. And, like, I feel like the unicorn does, under, does understand. For a second, she seems very baffled by Molly Gru's reaction. But she, like, understands. Uh, Molly Gru can see the unicorn for what she is because she still trusts and believes in... 
that a unicorn would exist. She just didn't believe that a unicorn would ever come to Molly Grew. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that? No. Yeah. Walking man. Yeah, there's not a ton for me to add to a thing that like you have just like burned into your bones. This this and this episode is mostly an excuse for like- Sophia to talk. <laughs> I need to, everyone this is a Sophia episode that I'm also on. How, <laughs> this is uh, Monster Friends with Benefits, the Sophie show, co-starring Brad sometimes to make tree-tit jokes. I want to see what other notes I have, because I didn't take them in order. I was just thinking thoughts while a movie was on. Yeah, my job today was to come up with a funny intro and type the words shit hell piss tits. <laughs> and it, you know what? You've said it several times now. So you've really gotten some mileage out of it. Do, do you have a, another note? Oh, not on that. No, the next note I have is after they run into the Red Bull. Ah, so Molly Grew joins them on this journey. And again, <laughs> did was this also the, the same day then for you? Oh, yeah. For sure. That they night. walked basically down the road. And immediately that night, got to right near King Haggard's castle. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they were heading in the wrong direction. So, you know, good thing Molly joined them. But they get right down the road from King Haggard's castle. And my note is, found the exact trouble they were looking for. Yep. Yeah. Went looking for it. There it is. There he is. The Red Bull emerges from the castle and uh, is t- attempting to chase down the unicorn and herd her. Not hurt, herd, like a like a sheep. Yeah, toward the castle. Mm-hmm. Schmendrick even comments because Molly says, "Help, help, help the unicorn here." And Schmendrick comments, "If he wanted to kill her, he probably could have done it already. He's just trying to drive her in this direction." Mm-hmm. So Schmendrick has another moment of magic. Do as you will, and the magic does as it wills, and changes her into a humble beast into a woman and the red bull is no longer interested doesn't understand where the where the unicorn has gone because obviously it's not this woman that is now laying on the road before him so he just fucks off home and unlike the rest of us the unicorn is very unhappy to suddenly be a naked woman (laughs) yeah i like that molly grew understood exactly why this was terrible fucking immediately the unicorn tries to stand and is having a hard time and is just like i'm I, but i'm a unicorn I, and is like using her hand to search for her horn it's not there i can feel this body dying all around me what a fucking incredible line can i just <sighs> to be suddenly hey to be suddenly made into a woman an identity you didn't ask for ever after having been a mysterious wild thing and now you can feel all of these expectations killing you i can't relate <laughs> Get, boy i can't relate to that Ugh. rough so they had to Haggard's castle because they're like i guess we keep going yeah my response was sucks to be mortal eh mm-hmm. it does and then i wrote we do we do this every day yeah every day those of us who can die yeah we was like oh i could die at any moment yeah so could a lot of it but like her i understand i understand it it's 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 not just literal they walk into the castle Mm -hmm. the person who great greet groat greeted them (laughs) wow greeted them (laughs) hi actually i was the king all along what's up what's up guys what's up it's me christopher fucking lee 
He apparently also did the German audio of this because he speaks fluent German, just like me. No, I don't speak fluent German. You're basically the same person. I'm basically the same person. Sophia knows from firsthand experience <laughs> what it's like to stab a man from behind and hear the his last breaths ooze out of him. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Apparently, I was also reading the IMDb trivia, is that he was a great fan of this, of the book, absolutely loved it, brought the book with him into the recording booth, so it was correct. And at various points when there was speeches and Peter S. Beagle was available, was was nearby, he would like make sure, like, was that right? I'll do it again if you want me to, Mr. Beagle. <laughs> just the amount of respect that Christopher Lee had for this story. He just adored it. Now, it should be noted, our group came to this castle because they want to find out where the unicorns are. Mm-hmm. So they don't think it would be wise to tell King Haggard, the person who's presumably kidnapped or taken or killed or whatever. We don't know. All the unicorns. What's going on? So Schmendrick just says, hi, this is my niece, Amalthea. <laughs> Super convincing. How did they not? There was so much there, time. There was like. At, at least half 10 hour minutes. Walk. Right. Between there and, and between where they were. Like, yeah. It was like a minimum 45 seconds that they could have taken to do this. Yeah. To at least come up with yeah. a name. They had like 1.7 seconds in which to do this and they chose to not do it at all. It was incredible that neither of them, not, none of these people thought of it. No. I'm, I'm not blaming Amalthea for not having come up with a name. She's a lot going on. She's very new. There's She's a lot on her fucking mind. For example, she's no longer a horse. But like Schmendrick and Molly, you could have spent a little bit of time coming up with a bit of a backstory before you had to tell someone about it, whatever. But they're welcomed into the castle, sort of. And we get a, so you should hire us. (laughs) This is a job application. (laughs) I can be your magician. Molly can be your cook. And... Also, there's Amalthea. Also, d- stop looking at her. Amalth- and also, Amalthea's here. <laughs> That's great, right? And the king's like, well, first of all, I already have a magician, so shut up. Why should I hire you? <laughs> Molly is a fucking genius for this one. It's like, well, I can tell that he doesn't make you happy. Because the, all the king has talked about is wanting to be happy. I had all this stuff. I had balls and you know, people and a big court and everything else. And it didn't make me happy. So I sent him away. I only want that, which makes me happy around me. And Molly's like, well, this magician obviously doesn't make you happy. So you should fire him and hire the idiot. So he does. So he does. After Mabrook, the magician shows up and first of all, calls Schmendrick the runeless wonder. And obviously in this world, the magicians know each other. They're like within the same fucking union or something. I don't know. But like he knows this kid and he's like, oh, it's this idiot. I know this idiot. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, LOL, laid off. Because yeah. <laughs> my brook just goes, well, obviously you're not going to fire me. And the king says, I've tried having a competent magician for a while. Let's try hiring this idiot and see if it amuses me. And Prince Lear says, come on, old man, I'll write you a reference. (laughs) Incredible line. Mabrook tries to attack the party and Amalthea turns the unicorn and she prevents him. And Mabrook is like, oh, hey, you're all idiots because that's a fucking unicorn. I'm not going to say anything because that would be telling. But like, (laughs) because I just got fired. (laughs) So like, fuck yourself. I wrote. As my next note, 
People should say farewell more. Farewell. His exit is incredible. I say be well to people all the time, but farewell means exactly the same thing. Although it's a little cuntier in this context. I'd feel rather, like. you wouldn't rather be cuntier? Oh, I would rather be cuntier. Yeah. Yeah. Although if I there's feel a like big chart, I just there's a big circle that says the cunty way to do things and Sophia, it's almost, <laughs> it's practically almost a circle. a circle. The trouble is that if you're going to say farewell and you're going to mean it, you do also have to vanish in a puff of smoke. And I have not mastered this. Sophia, uh-huh. listen very carefully. I'm listening. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Cunt Dracula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that will be our next episode. <laughs> no, you would rather be Cunt Orlock. <laughs> Incredible. What is your next note? This cat, wow, why is this cat a pirate? Mm, fantastic. So we have... You do see the cat right away, but you don't hear him talk for quite a while. Yeah. There's a bit of a montage of Amalthea kind of being there. Just vibing. Just vibing, kind of staring at the sea a lot, doing a lot of staring at the sea. Molly trying to like cook and deal with this fucking cat, this peg leg cat with an eye patch. Does it have a peg leg or am I imagining? It absolutely had a peg leg. Fantastic. And Schmendrick trying to entertain the king by just... Doing some honestly very impressive juggling I, in card tricks. Truly. And the, the king's King Haggard is not impressed. And Amalthea being kind of like aloof and distant and dissociated from it all. because Lear all... slowly falling in love with her and trying to do a bunch of cool shit, which all involves killing. Yeah, that's great. Complains to Molly about it. I've tried killing a dragon. I've tried killing an ogre. I've tried killing this thing and that thing. All of these hero things. And she just doesn't. She won't even talk to me. And Molly's like, well. Who's a guy gotta kill (laughs) to get a mysterious silent woman to talk to me? How can I express my affection to this woman? Without violence. Without killing somebody. I've tried so much violence. And she still does not give me the time of day. What other violence thing? I can do more violence. Like, I just need to find other violent things to do. And Molly's like, hey, have you considered doing not violence? And he's like, no, I hadn't considered that. That sounds insane. Did you try talking to her? What? No. What? Talk? Talk to a woman? No, uh, I did try to hand her a dragon's head, though. She And she didn't want it. It was so weird to think that would be, that would really get the engines going. He's working on it. He is. Finally, the cat does talk. Yar. In, in riddles, in pirate riddles to Molly to explain how to get to the Red Bull. Because they're trying to find the Red Bull because they think once they find the Red Bull, they'll find, the, they'll find the unicorns. where the unicorns go. They'll figure, you know, one follows the other. Molly tries to go to talk to uh, the unicorn um, and like, hey, you could possibly be nice. You could speak to Lear. He would, He would. All he wants is for you to like think kindly of him. And also, don't be a jerk about Schmendrick. He's doing his best. Oh, yeah, because the unicorn says, what is Schmendrick doing? He's not doing anything. He could help. Yeah, and he's doing a lot, actually. Ma'am, I know you have a lot on your on your plate right now, but you... She also can't remember anything. She keeps forgetting who she is, where she is, what's going on, Why and she's certainly here, that who... she's a unicorn at all. Yeah, she has a whole song about it, Now That I'm a Woman, which, again, no metaphors... There, now that I'm a woman, everything is strange. Gosh. So it's probably 
worth bringing up that a lot of people, of course, do approach this queerly, um, and a lot of people do approach this transly. And in that case, yeah, I can understand how this would, you know, come up. Perhaps some of these themes might be relevant to a lot of people for different reasons, and this is one of them. You're referring, of course, to Lear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, T for T. <laughs> I know my friend Dove doesn't listen to the podcast, but that exchange is just for them. Oh, okay. All right. Are you going to clip that? I will clip that. Okay, great. That but she has a whole song about how she knows that she used to be something strange and wise and innocent and different. And now she cannot recall what that feels like at all. That everything that she is now has made that completely vanish. And like, gosh, great. And the first person to say Mia Farrow is a bad singer is getting smacked. It was fine, okay? It was fine. <laughs> I don't care that she's a little pitchy. Leave it alone. She was fine. How do you feel about Lear, that song, his song? I think it was sweet, and I think they would make good marriage vows. I mean, just like the quality of the singing. The quality, it was fine. It was fine? It was fine. It was a little pitchy, but it was fine. <laughs> what does pitchy mean? Uh, you don't have really control of where the pitch is going. Why and, is that called it's... pitchy? I don't know, man. I'm not a music guy. I'm not the music man. I'm not going to River City. Did you not? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, we've got some trouble. Anyway, that was very funny. I promise. Someone laughed. Listeners are shitting their pants and pissing their cars right now with laughter. Exactly. And the bus, <laughs> because they're on the bus with their fingers up their assholes. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, man, Sophia, this is just for you. I don't know if I'm going to include this, but I saw a, a webcomic that was two people sitting in the car and one of them was like, oh, no, I have to go to the bathroom. We're on this road trip and I, I don't want to have to stop somewhere. And the other person says, oh, just use this Coke bottle. And then the next frame is the person with the Coke bottle pressed up against their asshole, trying and failing to shit into it. You cannot include this. Because I feel like that ruins the ambiance of the last unicorn. <laughs> Incredible. Please find that again. I want to see that. That sounds very funny. Lear is trying to write a poem to express his feelings to the Lady Amalthea. And he has a song that is, I've had the time to write a book about the way you act and look, I haven't got a paragraph. Words keep getting in the way. Anyway, I love you. And... It's just very plain and very sweet, and they have a little sweet romantic moment. It is a cute song. Yeah. Immediately uh. after that, Amalthea is confronted by, you know, King, King Haggard. Yeah. He said, I know what you are. I've known almost from the beginning what you are. She just says, what? Huh? Pardon? Don't insult me. If you insult me, I will throw you the fuck off these castle walls right now myself. Yeah. It's honestly kind of scary. Yeah. That like... Because he's, he, he's, he's just this guy who could very well harm her and she's terrified and just... And fucking corners her and remember. puts his hands yeah, on her. Like he is holding her is. by her shoulders. Looks saying, in her eyes and suddenly sees his own reflection whereas before he saw the forest. Uh-huh. And then explains to her what the deal is. And calls her empty. Yeah. You see down there in the water, all the unicorns are there. It's the only thing Can't I enjoy. Can't you see them? Is looking down there and seeing them struggle out in the water i had 
the Red Bull gather all of them and push them into the ocean and they stay right there where I can see them. I keep them. This theme keeps happening. But he calls her empty, that her eyes are now empty, like someone who hasn't seen a unicorn. If you love some, to to quote a song from an episode of a podcast that I don't remember which episode it is, if you love something, never set it free. That way it can be your thing for all eternity. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Healthy. Healthy way of of being. So listeners, I'll take a second and talk to you. I, (laughs) the thing I haven't been doing, I hate the summer solstice. I call it the bummer solstice because I know that it is the the longest day of the year, the longest, brightest day of the year, Garen fucking teed. So I hate it. It's upsetting, like genuinely upsetting. I'm being jokey about it, but I really hate it. It's upsetting. I wanted to deal with it a little bit better this year. And I I had an idea. I was going to build a sun sculpture and and burn it to kind of let, let go of that. And I couldn't do it. And my love, and I, I looked for what I could do for, for a ritual, because I really love rituals. I do not believe in the inherent significance of them necessarily, that they like do anything, but I love structure, bros. I love it. <laughs> so I That's love, also uh, Brad's pickup line is, hey, I, I love, love structure, structure, bros. <laughs> so I, I love rituals. And I was looking for something to try to give some sort of symbolic importance to this that wouldn't just bum me out. So my, 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 I, 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 I came up, my, my, my very lovely boyfriend came up with one. We were going to make lists of things that we had to let go of and burn them. And to me, this was how I interpreted this. So I'm not going to go into, to his interpretation because that's his business. My interpretation of this was to take, to accept that good things can happen and that that doesn't devalue any other good things. Even if I knew that I was having, that I knew exactly when the best day of my life was, the day I experienced the most joy, that wouldn't mean the second most joyous day didn't have joy in it. It wouldn't mean it wouldn't be worth experiencing. So even though the summer solstice is the longest day, it doesn't mean that the brightness of every day after that is without value. I need to appreciate that. And I and, and to be able to take good things and not hold on to them so tightly that I, I'm unable to enjoy them. If I knew what the greatest day of my life was going to be, I might not be able to enjoy it. Because I would look at it and go, it's never going to be better than this. So part of what I was trying to do with the summer solstice was to let go of this and say, this is a, a long day. It's a beautiful day. And it's gone. And if it comes back, it comes back. But it doesn't matter. What matters is it's a good day and I can enjoy it. Like all of the things in my life that are good that I can enjoy. And by focusing on holding on to them so tightly, instead of fostering them and nurturing them, I'm going to crush them. And I will have none, no enjoyment of all these good things that are present in my life. I need to let go of them. It doesn't mean that I need to push them away or deny them. I just need to release them. And that was, that was very valuable and important to me. And that is the absolute opposite of what everybody in this movie does when they find something good and joyous. Yeah. Whenever. Like, ooh, a candle flame. Let me grab it. It's. That'll burn it brighter. And the thing is, is that not only like you holding on to things and not letting them go and it would devalue it for you. A lot of the things like is not just that it's devaluing it for them is that they are also making everyone around them that much more miserable because they refuse to let go of these things like king haggard not 
releasing the unicorns or having captured them in the fucking first place made him miserable. The reason he says at some point that Lear isn't even his son. Yeah. He just thought having a child would make him happy. So he picked up a kid off of a doorstep and thought this would make me happy. And it fucking didn't. And so he treats Lear in a very similar way to all the other things that he just, he doesn't value his son. He brought up a child and doesn't value him. He has this castle on the sea. He doesn't value it. It is in disrepair. It is falling apart. The only thing that he values is unicorns and those he has to keep so specific and exactly how they always were. They are not allowed to grow. They're not allowed to change. They're not allowed to be anywhere else. And they are terrified and they are drowning because of it. No symbolism there. Yeah. <laughs> Molly and Schmedrick kind of figure out the riddle. Mm-hmm. So they go talk to a skeleton. They go talk to Odo. <laughs> the skeleton is literally a skeleton on the mantle in the Great Hall. And it is voiced by Re- René Aubergenois. And it's, it's a great performance. In the book, it was originally just a skull. And interestingly, it was just a skull because that used to be King Haggard's right-hand man. And he, King Haggard thought... Well, I'm looking for a lot of things that might make me happy. Maybe random acts of violence will make me happy. So he beheads his best friend and goes, no, that didn't make me happy. Never mind. But keeps the head. Keeps the skull. What the fuck is wrong with this man? So much. They try to figure out by asking how to get to the Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Skull guy says, eh, maybe ask tomorrow. I'm enjoying talking to you. I'm having way too much fun fucking with you. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're running out of time. Oh, I got plenty of time for all of us. <laughs> Schmendrick pretends to be Jesus for a second and that he can change water to wine, drinks a bunch of water, <laughs> and then offers it or you know, kind offers it to this tricks the skeleton into into giving them the information in order to get this yeah. empty bottle of wine. Because Schmendrick says, Well, you can't even drink. No, but I can remember. I can remember. So the, he gives the skeleton an empty bottle of well, nothing. There's an empty bottle that has nothing in it, but it has, it's the symbol of it is really what the skeleton is after. So he tells them that they have to walk through times. They have to walk through the clock. Don't mind the clock. Just keep on walking and you'll get to the red bull. So they give it to him and he, they have the skull blush and it was very cute. It's very, very, very cute. Yeah. Oh, fun to know is that the animation company that did this, the did the animation for Nosco Valley of the Wind and became Studio Ghibli. Oh, neat. Yeah. They start going for the clock. My note here is, wow, skeleton suddenly not a bro. Oh, so scary. His eyes, his eye sockets glow red and he is screaming, unicorn, as he sees Amalthea run by. And he's no longer a bro. You are correct. Wow. What a great way to put that. He is now extremely hostile and is trying to get Haggard to come in and kill them. Which he tries to. Yeah. We get another sequence of terrible action. The fight choreography in this is something. It's emotive. Is There's what a it is. lot that's very pretty in this movie. Oh, yeah. Very clearly, it was very pretty up to a budget point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's, here's the thing is uh, it's very emotive. You can feel that this sword that King Haggard is swinging, it might be his. It is way too heavy for him. You can feel that he is really putting like a, a lot more energy. If he had a lighter sword, this... Oh, yeah. Molly and Amalthea slash the unicorn go through the clock. Mm-hmm. Schmendrick is 
ambushed by the king who starts trying to kill him with a sword. Schmendrick is... My note here is sword fighting a clock. Okay. Okay. Schmendrick is duck and diving and weaving, you know, trying really hard not to get hit by this stupidly big sword yeah. that, that the king has. And he ends up going through the clock and they find that Prince Lear is in there saying again, one of the better romantic lines, uh, which is they ask, oh, well, how did you get here? I saw where she went and I followed. What else is there? Which is incredible. His devotion to this woman is singular. Who, who has barely said anything to him at all. Yeah, but he like understands her, I guess. And like, it's so good. Oh yeah, they kissed at the end of that song before. They did. By the way, update, listeners. 27.4 degrees, 53% humidity, 2,435 parts per million CO2. We're going to die in here, but we're going to die. We're going to finish recording first. Yeah, don't worry. You'll hear us expire at the end. Uh, it'll be fine. There, so King Haggard destroys the fucking clock. Yeah, clock break. So they can't go back, so they have to take the bull's entrance. And so they're trying to head out. And Wait, say that phrase again? The, they have to what? Go through the bull's That's entrance? That's not what you said. They have to what? I have no idea what I said. They have to take the bull's entrance? What kind of story are you writing <laughs> right now? Beat your ass. <sighs> sorry what was the fucking temperature in this room take anyway. the bull's entrance aka sophia's new piece of dragon age fanfic uh-huh okay uh, schmendrick is trying to tell prince lear that like hey hey real quick like you know she's not a human right like that she's a unicorn and i have to turn her back into the unicorn and prince lear Prince Lear has so many good lines. I feel like he didn't have a lot of lines, but all of his were like very solid, good one-liners that like out of context are still extremely good. And he says, I love whom I love. And like, wow, good. That is a really good way to express any kind of like romance or sexuality is just, I love whom I love. Fuck off. Very, very queer of him. There's a bit of an argument about, should we turn her back to a unicorn? Mm-hmm. Now that she's experienced all this. Yeah. she And she says, I want to die when you die. Uh, she doesn't want to turn back into a unicorn because she is afraid that she is no longer going to love Lear when she is a unicorn. And so she is afraid of turning back into the monster that she was, which is a creature that cannot regret and cannot love. Once you're, once you're incapable of dying, just as urgency is something that is notable, mm-hmm. you, there's no, there, what, what is love? Baby, don't hurt. Don't, me. because you time operates on a different scale. Mm-hmm. And what are these attachments? Because love is something that, like, love is something that you you build on. There can be an initial spark of attraction. There can be, you know, things in common. But it is something that you have to build with another person. You can't build infinitely. And if you have infinite time makes it feel more and more meaningless. I would assume I am not immortal. So unicorns can't love and she doesn't want to stop no, loving. Listeners, Sophia can be killed. <laughs> you had to figure out which part of me was held out of the river sticks though. <laughs> Obviously nowhere that you have a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. So no, my under boobs are Invulnerable. invulnerable don't even try it listeners <laughs> body blows mean nothing to me 
oh, I'm so glad I put on deodorant because I just lifted up my arms and that could have been impressive. 27.5. Go on. Okay. Woo! How long have we been recording? Oh, a while. The Red Bull appears and attacks them. And it no longer matters if she is in human shape or unicorn shape because the bull now knows who is the unicorn. So he's like, well, that's got to go into the ocean. I have one thing that I do, and it is make unicorns go into the ocean. And Schmendrick turns her back into a unicorn, and she tries to run away, and they, they come out on the Lear unsuccessfully beach. tries to protect her. Yeah, he holds up his sword and like gets between her and the bull. Because he's killed a dragon and an ogre and a bunch of shit. He's become a hero that faces down monsters, and that's what and he's, he's facing down a monster. Sword, sword on fire, he drops it. Instantly. He is, oh boy. So they, they exit through where the bull, anyway. Sea cave. The sea cave. Onto the beach. Which is another term for cunt, by the way. Is it? Sea cave. Huh. With the letter C. Sea cave. Oh. Sea cave already has a C in it. The cave part. <laughs> I'm just saying. Bat cave. Cave already has an A in it. Why say bat? Because it's for Bats. No. Much as sea cave, the C stands for cunt, not for cave. I'm just saying what you said the was The C in cave. cunt stands for cunt. The U in cunt stands for unt. The N in cunt stands for <laughs> unt. The T in cunt stands for titties. <laughs> no, because what you said was sea cave with a C, and sea cave has it anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. C hyphen cave. It's a cave for sea hyphens, not ocean <laughs> apostrophes. What were we talking about? It's so warm. It's so warm. We're going to die. I'm no longer sweating, which is not healthy. Oh, boy. You should probably drink more of your water. I should probably have more of these super salty pumpkin oh seeds. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the, so the Red Bull starts driving her into the ocean. And Lear says to Schmendrick, Save her. You have to save her. Yeah. And Schmendrick says, I can't I, do what, this. What What? 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 magic? Magic can't do this. What do you think I am? A magician? Yeah, Molly says, if magic can't save a unicorn, what good is it? Which is very specific. Yeah. But Schmendrick says, this isn't for a magician. This is a uh, case for a hero. Just pass that buck real quick. Lear <laughs> goes, oh. Actually, that's a really good point you just made now, Schmendrick. Um, I'm going to have to go. I no longer have my weapon but I am going to still get between the Red Bull and the Unicorn because that is still the woman I love because I love whom I love. We get a really excellently animated scene where the bull runs forward and then we cut away. Because <laughs> we can't have impact. But he's been trampled by the bull. Um, it's, it's, I, it, it did undercut the scene a little bit for me to have this very dramatic showdown and then a shot of the bull charging and then suddenly it's just, Lear just like down face down yeah it was almost like a family guy level cutaway it was a little <laughs> bit but this the unicorn stands between the red bull and this dead boy on the beach mm -hmm. and pushes the bull back mm -hmm. this is her turning port where, where she says no more no more well that's fucking it get into the sea get into the water right now and the bull does he's apparently no other unicorn has ever turned around and done this. Because apparently if they had, they would have 
driven him into the ocean. Mm-hmm. They just never thought that this was an option for them because that they, they are so much smaller and they are not as terrifying. Yes, they are. And she drives the bull into the ocean and the unicorns erupt from the surf, hundreds of them flooding the beach. And as they run over the cliffs where the castle is, it collapses. And King and we Hagrid- don't see it, but the cat gets out. The cat gets out. It's not, listeners, it's not confirmed in the movie, but I'm telling you the cat gets out. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that they said, we're going to go talk to the skeleton. And the cat said, all right, bye, and left already. And he is like a county over already. Mm -hmm. He didn't wait around. He knew what was going on. This actually takes place in Canada. So these aren't counties or states. These are ridings. Oh, of course. Okay. (laughs) Fuck off. Uh, (laughs) What the Canadian listeners know what's up. Yeah. Okay. And King Haggard falls to his death along with his decrepit castle as the unicorns are May I say that is the official position of this podcast. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Because all monarchies are bad. Yeah. This podcast is anti-monarchy. This is an anti-monarchy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do to deserve that? Get born? Fuck you. Fuck you. There's a really good Discworld line in which Vimes is very anti-monarchy in the in the City Watch books that uh, humans have a fatal flaw, which is that they tend to bend at the knee. <laughs> it's a really good line. So the unicorns have escaped from the surf and are free and are now back on the turf, back on the turf, supposedly running home or wherever it is that they need to be. Uh, whatever. Unicorns are back in the world. But our unicorn, formerly known as Amalthea, yeah. uh, has stayed behind and she resurrects Lear on the beach before vanishing again. Because this is just now her thing that she does, is that she just like likes to vanish now. Which, sure. The circle of things Batman does and <laughs> things unicorns do is... So that diagram is, is also there almost a circle. There is an yeah. overlap. There's a hefty overlap. And Commissioner Unigordon. <laughs> anyway, Molly and Schmendrick say goodbye to Lear. And he says, well, she'll never know what I really meant to tell her what was really in my heart. And in echoing what the tree had said to him about there is no love like an immortal uh, 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 tree's love. He says she will remember your heart when humans are fairy tales and books written by rabbits. That, like, the love is what mattered. And it will continue. And, like, being loved by something so ancient, uh, that's what's important. A lot of emphasis on the things that are important is not the innocence and purity, but it is the love that is important. It's kind of the opposite of what Mama Fortuna was saying. Exactly. Yeah. It's good. And... Any any other notes? I guess Schmendrick and Molly are a thing. Yeah, that's it. It is implied. It is implied in the books as well. Because there's the book, and there was a short story follow up, and I think there was a a few other sequels that take place in the same world, but not always the same characters. Although sometimes two hearts will fuck you up, two hearts will destroy you. Uh, I'm saying this to the listener. If you if you want to read the works of Peter S. Beagle. The Last Unicorn, fantastic. Two Hearts will destroy you. It will destroy you emotionally for at least a day. So be prepared for that. If you're going to read them, be ready. And the unicorn comes to say goodbye to Schmendrick one last time and says that she now knows what regret is and she is the only unicorn and I'm going to try to go home, uh, which is like she is so irrevocably changed by her experience that she's not sure if she belongs 
at home anymore, but she's going to try anyway, which is fantastic. I'm going to look at my notes real quick. Do you have any other notes Mm-mm. on that topic? I have like minimally obstructed the points you were making so far, and that's probably the best I could manage. <laughs> this, this is kind of the opposite of uh, our Tammy and the T-Rex episode. Yeah, in a little the, bit. And yeah. lots of people will probably listen to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, in the the human spirit is so strong and so strident and so so undefeatable that anything that comes in contact with it is irrevocably changed. She was a human for, I think, at least six hours. At least six hours. Pro- she was probably a human for a few months or something, and. She is completely changed by this more than anything else, more than having been um, a captive of Mama Fortuna, more than even facing the Red Bull at all. It is being human and having loved and feeling regret that has changed her and made her completely different from the rest of the unicorns, which is great. I think is good story part. Um, Oh, I have more about as a trans narrative obviously i'm sure sure so I, I just have read a lot of people write about it because there's a lot to write about and obviously i write i i have very strong opinions about how i relate to it and how you know the inherent uh trauma that is womanhood that this can be read as but as that she starts out knowing who she is and how she feels and then when she is endangered she is forced into an identity that doesn't actually fit and she ends up saying i want to stay like this because it is safer until she has to change back because the world would be less if if she didn't and didn't help others return to the world like that and i think that is also good story to think about any other any thoughts on that on that front nope okay cool i love the last unicorn it's very important and i can practically fucking recite it uh, I know most of the songs in, by heart, except for Man's Road, um, even though that's the one I've sung the most in this podcast. I don't actually know all the words to walk in Man's Road. It's it's it doesn't flow as well as like the opening song. So what it what what song was your favorite? Probably the duet, honestly. Mm. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, I really I did like Lear's song. That was I did, it was very cute. Wouldn't it be good as as Wedding Vows? Or at least the I mean, they're a little pitchy for wedding vows. Oh, God, shut the fuck up. That's a word I know now. <laughs> you, yeah, you've learned something in this episode. <laughs> One, what pitchy is, and two, unicorn. So, Sophia? <laughs> yeah. Could the listeners learn how to find us on social media? No, you have to think about the about the oh, last wait, no, unicorn. No, we have, we have, have to give recommendations, actually, first. Oh, okay. We've neglected this several episodes Several in a times, row. yeah. Sophia, do you have any recommendations? No, I'm thinking of some. Do you have any recommendations? Yes. <laughs> All right, let's take a second. Listeners, some among you may remember the MTV show Clone High. You may have enjoyed Clone High. You may have heard that the first episode of a reboot or second season of Clone High that was released on HBO Max was leaked. And people had very strong opinions about it. I have seen the entirety of the new Clone High on HBO, and I liked it a lot. I thought it was very funny. The first episode sort of made fun of... I'd say it honestly made fun of the concept, the cultural concept of, you know, wokeness and, and all that. That people... Yeah, it, it's it's dumb. And the episode does kind of 
address the fact that yes, it is things that were previously considered appropriate are no longer considered appropriate because the cast of the original Clone High, which took place in 2003, are suddenly thrust into 2023. And it's not okay to say some of the things that it used to be okay to say. However, the the character in the show, who is the clone of Christopher Columbus, goes by Topher Bus because he doesn't want to be associated with his clone father. The thing is, this guy sucks, and everything that he does that sucks is couched in the language of, like, you know, social justice and therapized language and being appropriate. And he's a very solid demonstration of it is completely possible to be an absolute shitheel and say the right things. So the show is aware of that. Get past the first episode. That's a, that feels a little bit awkward. It's good. It's good. It's very funny. I like it a lot. I enjoy it a lot. And there's an episode which is explicitly written to be dramatic and silly, like overly overwrought. And and and, and I it still it emotionally moved me because it's a a story that involves a robot, a robot, a robot who and and sadness. And I'm a sucker for robots and sadness. Clone High is my recommendation as Brad. Or, uh, shit hell? Fuckface. Right, right. And I'm Dick The podcast is... Yeah. Shit hell. Shit hell pissed tits. Yes. So, my recommendation... Of the Connecticut pissed tits? (laughs) My recommendation is um, a song. It is a new release by Seraphine Noir. You can find that on Spotify... Uh, their new release is called Ascension. It's a fairly uh, jazzy little number, uh, electronica, but with kind of loose jazz. Um, feels like uh, a steampunk JRPG overworld song. Uh, it's very good. I just like it a lot. So that's Seraphine Noir on Spotify and their new release, Ascension. Neat. I'm going to play it for you right now. <laughs> Sophia? Yeah. If listeners did wish to find us, where could they do that? Man, I wish I remembered what that address was. <laughs> uh, they can uh, email us at monsterfwb at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at monsterfwb and TikTok at monster underscore fwb. If you're going to email us, make sure you put in the subject question feedback whatever it is just so we so we know and send us questions send us questions please send us questions we require them yes you can publicly tag us in things on the social media platforms however you may only dm us if you are the cast of farscape doug jones claudia christian brock lesnar if you pay us 50 dollars, as aforementioned per per dm per dm the comic artist known as condom spelled with a k wentworth miller or Guillermo del Toro. If you're not those people, you, can you cannot can, DM us. Cannot do it. Don't even try. Nope. And by the way, we have very special filters up. Yeah, it's mostly mesh. It's like mosquito netting. <laughs> uh, so I have been fuckface. And I have been dick brain. I'm not going to do this. I, it's, it's been me, Brad. <laughs> me, Sophie. And this has been Monster Friends. With benefits. Goodbye from hell. Piss tits.